Well, this morning we're going to be looking into Hebrews and continue on our faith journey. And specifically today, where is your journey leading? Now, this week we did something that was incredibly um, risky, I think is what I will call it. We went on vacation to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. That part's not risky. Unless you don't like traffic, then it's very risky because there's lots of people there. Uh, But we decided this year we were going to take a family with us on vacation. So we got a couple of condos and our family, their kids, our kids got to play the whole entire time, swim all the time. We went hiking. We pretty much did the whole thing together. Now, as I was thinking about this a few weeks ago, we'd already asked, we were already heading this direction. And I began to think of family vacations, like when multiple members of the family, not like our personal family, but in fact, right up here in the front row, we have two portions of our family, the Batchelder portion, our parents right up here. On Tuesday, my brother David will be listening to this. And, you know, I was thinking about it. We specifically, every once in a while, we'll take a family trip with all three of the siblings, mom and dad. You never know who else might be there. And that's like 20 people. Specifically, when we go to, to Missouri, we're basically all in my brother's house, which is nice. And it's, it's pretty big. I mean, it's not like a small house. Not for 20 people, though. It's not very big. And their house is really cool. You go in and it's open all to the upper levels, the lofts up above, which means there's nowhere in that house besides locked in a bedroom or a bathroom where you can be alone, like nowhere, right? So when I think of this vacation, maybe some of you are having nightmares right now of family vacations you've had with multiple members. And I was just thinking, I took the poll in the first, how many, like your best, most relaxing, easiest vacation was when you and all your siblings maybe, and maybe family members and your parents, you were all there together in one house. And it was just like, whoa, this is so easy, so fun, no fighting, no squabbling, none of that stuff. Anybody out there? Man, I see no hands in the room. Oh, one. One. We had one in the first service. So the Hughes, they must be very, very tight-knit family. So, right, can it be exhausting? Is it possible? It can be exhausting, right? Now, we love them. We do it every couple years, right? We do it. We have fun. This is real. I mean, once again, my family's on the front row, so I'll deal with this for mom later, I'm sure, but it's okay. But we went, and we believed it was going to be fun, and it was going to be a fun time, and we're going to have a good time. And I just want you to know that it was. Literally, we're talking, it might be the best best vacation we've ever had. And it was with 13 of us, including the last night when we all packed into one two-bedroom condo. All 13 of us, including a almost two-year-old who still is not sleeping through the night. We need to pray for that poor child. Uh, Actually, not the child. For the parents that uh, sleep would happen every night for them. Right? We were there together. It was a blast. We believed it. We planned on it. We were just all good to just have fun, hang out together, leading, right? That was good. That's what we wanted. That's what we wanted to happen. So it, it worked out really well. But the other thing that this week I think was super fun, exciting, is that Pastor Rachel, we have gone to Gatlinburg maybe 15 times since we've been married. And somehow she's never seen a bear. Now, If you have been to Gatlinburg, you know there are bear everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. Like, you almost can't walk without stumbling across one or drive, and they're on the side of the road. So we go our first hike. We're driving up through the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and there's a bear right out in the woods. 
we figured out how you find out when the car is stopped awkwardly on the side of the road, you don't say, what are they doing? You stop your car and look where they're looking because there's always a bear. That's pretty much how it goes. But we see a bear, and then the next day we see two bear on the side of a hill right across from where we were cooking dinner. They're up by some uh, cabins on the other side of a river, about 100 yards away. That was good. Then we're going back to our our, uh, cabin or to our condo, and there's a bear in the parking lot. So there's our fourth bear that we've seen. And then we see more bear, one right on the edge of the road. And then on our last night, all of a sudden, there are bear literally everywhere around our condo unit. I mean, it is wild. Outside of the the fences, which was good. Uh, But Brian Herrera, who was there, he had video of this bear that walked down the thing, across in the creek, right in front of him, probably 30 yards away. And then kind of up, he was grilling at the time, our dinner. And he, this bear is right by the fence, like literally, you know, fence, grill, uh, goes around it. He's like, oh my goodness, He wasn't worried about getting eaten by the bear, but he's like, that bear's not taking our food. There's no way. (laughs) Right? So we're like, we want to see this close. So my daughter Elizabeth, we talk all the time about not being fearful, not not anxiety. We don't believe we're not going to walk in those things in our home. So what does my daughter do? She is swimming in the swimming pool. There's a bunch of people around and a bear is all of a sudden right at the fence to the pool. So we're talking maybe 30 feet away. So most sane individuals who maybe don't have a dad that always talks about we're not going to fear, we're not going to be anxious, would go the other way, like just step away from the bear. My daughter, she's like, yeah, like gets her phone out, like runs right up to the fence, and literally the bear is on the other side of the fence. So she's, I'm not joking, like five feet away from an actual bear in the wild. Also, this fence, it wasn't like, it was like this tall. This bear literally could have just climbed over the fence and eaten her head, and it would have been over. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So the goal was to see bear as close as we could, and my daughter Elizabeth saw one. Like, she literally could have just hopped over the fence and jumped on the thing's back and died. Like that, we were real close, real close to this moment. But we accomplished our goal. We had a great family vacation with another family on the vacation, and we saw many bear right up close. Now, all of that leads us to Hebrews chapter 5. If you have read, if you've pre-read, if you knew we were in this series and you just like open your Bible, Hebrews 5, 11, uh, real fast, if you're looking for a nice um, Joel Osteen message this morning, just real light and airy, this is not the day for you. In fact, there's a restroom out there, and then you could just keep going, because it's the exact opposite. We're just in the Word. Uh, In fact, the title is Warning Against Apostasy. So that's where we're headed this morning, is the writer of Hebrews is uh, basically saying, and we're going to read it here in a second, you guys are dull children that haven't learned anything, and basically it's not going to go well for you, or you're going to turn your life around. Where is your life leading? Where is your spiritual walk taking you? That is where we are going. So in fact, we'll read it. Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 3. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. 
For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. As I said, this isn't exactly a light, airy passage of Scripture. This is in your face. Get it together. Things are not going as they should. Growth is not happening as it should. And my question for us today, for you individually to ask yourself, is where are you in your spiritual journey? Where are you in this faith journey? Have you pushed forward into what God has for you? Are you going all out after Jesus? Or, like this church, maybe have you taken a step back? And I mean, I would never use these words, but have you become dull of hearing? Are you an infant, basically, in your walk with God? Are you drinking milk instead of what God would have for you? This dole is not something like someone new to Jesus. In fact, if you are here today and you're like, oh man, this sounds a little harsh. This word, if you are new to church, or maybe this is your first time ever coming to church, this is actually not for you This is for the person sitting next to you that has been around for five years or ten years, that has been growing in the Word, that has known the Word, that says, yeah, I know Jesus, but all of a sudden isn't living it, isn't acting it, isn't doing what God has called them to do. Which means if you're new to Jesus today, you can be like, "Woo, this is for you. In fact, I mean, you might not want to do it, but you could just say, this is for you, buddy. You need to listen, right? Because this is what it's about. For someone that knew the word, but now is becoming dull because they're not acting on what God has called them to do. In fact, I think Proverbs uh, points to it pretty directly in Proverbs 28, 9. One who turns away his, his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Right? If we know the word, if we have the word, but then we turn our ear, we don't act upon what he has. It says that it is an abomination before him. This is a big deal. This is something that I don't think any of us want to experience in our life. And when I think about the church, when I think about you and me coming together and growing and becoming what God has called us to be, the question is, am I, are you someone that is a student that you want to learn and you want to grow? And well, you really want information. You want information and you want to be able to experience that information. Or are we people who say, I'm not just going to listen. I'm not only going to come on a Sunday morning and maybe even give or maybe even help in a a ministry area or or help in some way, but am I someone that's not only going to receive, but then truly of myself, with God's help, am I going to teach other people? Am I going to proclaim the goodness of God? Am I going to disciple the world around me? Because when I look at the Word, uh, there's a group of people in the Bible, they're called the Pharisees, that they had all of the things together. In fact, listen to this list. Just a few. We could go on. They energetically evangelized. Which, Pastor Dave, that's what we want, right? We're praying for more evangelists in the church. More people that'll be bold. 
Pharisees did really good. They impressively prayed. Their prayers were amazing. In fact, we want you to be a part of prayer. Monday morning, Facebook Live. Tuesday morning, right in here, both at 7 o'clock. On Tuesday, we meet here, we pray together. Wednesday night at 7, we want you to come and be a part. That is great. They made religious and a rigorous religious commitment. I mean, they were all in. It wasn't a joke to them. They went all the way. They strictly and carefully tithed. They gave their 10%. They followed the principles of the word. They honored religious traditions. They practiced fasting regularly. In fact, I don't know about anybody else, but if I'm not fasting with the purpose of God moving, I don't want to fast because I like food a lot. But they fasted. And you know what they got for all of these things that they did? What did Jesus call them? I believe he called them sons of hell. Right? That's a lot of really good things that I actually want to have in my life. Every single one of those things. I I want to experience, I want to walk in prayer, and I want to follow the commitments that I, I have to God. I want to experience him. But the key is that I cannot be someone who knows facts, who knows things. And even the Pharisees, they might have taught people, but they didn't teach people Jesus. Their hearts weren't open to who he was. Their hearts weren't open to the actual gospel, but instead to religion. And church, today, the question that I have for us is, are we open to Jesus? And are we open to proclaiming him, to discipling the lost? Or is our prayer an abomination? I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is putting right in their face. And he puts it in ours today. Student or teacher, the challenge is real. Become a teacher, a discipler. And I would say that is truly how we become a Christ follower. It's by sharing the goodness of God with our world. As we continue on in the next couple verses, we see an important portion From milk to solids. This is very exciting because I don't know about anybody else, but I don't like milk. Anybody you don't like milk, you're like, that's, yes. There's actually a lot of you. Yeah, so praise the Lord. We don't have to drink milk all the time. But it says in verse 12, the end, you need milk, not solid food. Like, what's wrong with you? 13 goes on. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, when I think about this milk or solid food, um, first of all, we were, as I mentioned, on vacation together uh, with with the Herreras and another family. And they have an 18-month-old, and this child wants milk all the time. And they want this child to not want milk, but to want solid food, because guess what? We sleep better. All of, I mean, it's just life's better with solid food. And it began to make me think of something uh, recently that was one of the greater food moments of my life, I believe. I don't know why. It was just great. My favorite restaurant is House of Japan over on Tuttle at Tuttle. How many are House of, House of Japan fans? If you have never had it, mm, it is It is God's food for humanity. Forget Chick-fil-A. I mean, it is so good. So good. So 
We go there, and when we really want to splurge, which we go there way too much, but when we want to go, you know, when we really want to splurge, when, then we get filet, because their filet is really great. But this one specific day, I do not know what was up with this food, but we cooked this filet, or they did, watching it. He would like not cut it, but more, it just would like tear apart. Like it was so tender and moist, almost like it had layers to it. Like the best I could think of is the biscuits that you just can tear apart like layer after layer. Like the meat was so tender, you could just pull it apart. He finally cut it up, put it on my plate, and it was like each bite was literally just a tad bit of what heaven's going to be like. I'm pretty sure. It was so wonderful. But I, know, I mean, this might be controversial, but I also have to be sure to realize and let you know that if you eat your steak, re- I mean, like really, really uh, well done, that's not God's way. Instead, you need to go the other way, at least, you know, medium rare. This was perfect, just pink, maybe the teensiest bit of uh, purple, but warm, the whole thing. It was God's food. God made it. I know he did just for me through this wonderful gentleman. It was awesome. A spiritual experience. Milk does not cut it. Let me tell you, that steak, that was what God has for a man and a woman in today, in 2021. It was phenomenal. And as I was thinking about it, from Evie who drinks milk, but, you know, they're trying to get her to drink or eat everything else, to myself who says, I don't even want a well-done bad steak. In fact, we're just going to stick with family. My dad taught me completely wrong. He always would cook it well done. Well done steak is ruined steak. God doesn't even want us to have ruined steak. He wants us to have fine, perfect, wonderful filet that's medium rare for our bodies, but also way more important in our spirit. As he's speaking today, it's not just about some information or some knowledge or something, but it's about, Lord, I'm not going to just live on milk. I'm going to step into fine foods, to solid foods, to the meat of your word, to the truth of your word. Get beyond the basics and the elementary to experience you and all that you have for me. We can experience God. And I believe here the writer is rebuking them and the rebuke is, is real. It's time to step into fine meat and leave the milk behind. Now, in real life, food, yes. But in our spirit is what it's all about today. Church, we have to say yes. We've got to go deeper than we have in the past. When it all began in verse 11, about this we have much to say. Talking, uh, and it says, and it was hard to explain. He couldn't even use Melchizedek because the people wouldn't understand. The people couldn't build upon principles because they hadn't had the basic foundation in a way that it was possible. Now when we get to the first verse, first word of chapter 6, it says, therefore. And what I would say that therefore is kind of like, a, you know, the, the writer rebuked his readers, but he knew that nothing was gained by treating them as immature. So he moved on. I mean, that's kind of how I would just boil this down. He's like, you guys need to grow. You guys need to mature. You guys need solid food. Therefore, let us leave the elementary things. Let us leave the milk and let us go into what you have from elementary to maturity. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, 
That is the elementary things. Some of us in the room might say, those seem like things I would like to learn. Like, I need to, I need to study those more. Laying again a foundation, repentance from dead works? Absolutely. Faith toward God? Yes, those are important things. Instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. And he's saying these are things that we must understand, that we must get in us, that we must realize so that we can say, Jesus, I trust you, I love you, I know you, and I'm not going to turn against you because I understand the basics. I understand these things. And specifically in this portion to these Jewish people, why would he use these? If you notice, not one of them is Jesus specific. Not one of them is about Christ. Not one of them is about what he did on the cross. Not one of them goes against even what the Old Testament way, the Old Covenant would say. You could have that conversation with a Jewish brother. The Christian brother could have this conversation and not quite get where they should. In fact, in some of your Bibles where it talks about washings, it might say baptism. But that word means, uh, like in the ESV here, it's about ceremonial washing. It's about being clean, not about being baptized in Jesus. And there's something in our life, a moment when we must realize, I must mature. And not only have things that are, that are good, things I need to know, things that I need to understand, but then I need to build upon the foundational elements of my life. And specifically here, it was kind of a cop-out that they could have these conversations with their Jewish friends that weren't Christ followers. And there was no distraction. It was, it was easy. They didn't have to really get into Jesus. It was a cop-out of knowing and of talking and of proclaiming the goodness of God. And I believe in our day, and our age, it's not often that we're like, yeah, I'm going to turn my back on God. Yeah, I don't want to serve anymore. But we can so easily just kind of fall into religion and fall into, well, I'm just going to kind of live in it. I'm, it's all right. I still believe. I'm going to talk about all these good things. I'm going I'm to talk about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And I'm going to talk about faith towards God. Those are good. But I'm not going to let Jesus be the ruler, the master of my life. I'm not going to let him move. I'm not going to really step into maturity or into solids. I'm definitely not going to be a true teacher of the goodness of God. Because that, that is difficult. That is hard. That is something that I'm not sure if I can do or if I want to do. And the writer is making it very clear that church, if we want to make a difference, if we want to make it and stand true with God, if we want to be who he has called us to be, we cannot stay at the basic principles, but we must say, God, I'm going to walk with you daily. Relationship with you is what it's all about. And all of a sudden, when I begin to talk culturally with the people outside of my church, I'm not going to just... Eh, it's all right, I'm not really going to push back, or it's okay, I believe a little bit of what is out here and a little bit of what the Word says. No, I'm going to say, Lord, what do you have? What is your truth? What do you speak? And when we speak the goodness of God, it might stir some feathers sometime. It might, it might be a problem to somebody outside, but we're going to speak with love the truth of the Word of God. And when we have to learn more and study more and grow more and hear from God more because... Our world needs us to. Our world has questions we don't know how to answer. We don't know what to do without the goodness of God proclaiming and showing through. When it's difficult, we're like, I am willing to teach. I'm willing to be a discipler of my world. Those that know Jesus and those that don't. And here in Hebrews, the question was, 
are you going to grow? Because they knew more and they just got information and actually went backward. They become, became dual, dual in their, their mind and their hearing. They became babies after being more mature. And church, I pray that you and I will be people that we are not going to go backward. But we're going to say, Lord, the foundation that you've laid. Roger, this morning being up here, the foundation you're laying for all these boys, the, the ministry, girls' ministries, the foundation that's being laid. We're not going to just say, oh man, I went through Royal Rangers and now I'm good. No, no, I went through Royal Rangers and now I have a high spot to start from or to continue from, to launch into my life. And if you're here and you say, I've never even given my life to Jesus, today is the day. Guess what? You get some time where you get some milk. Babies love milk. And in the spiritual way, you get to grow. And those things that we mentioned, those are like, wow, you get to eat it up. You get to experience, let God show you. And then there'll be a day when all of a sudden it's like, ah, so these open up a whole new realm of how I can share Jesus, how I can be a discipler, of how we can make a difference in our world as we stand upon Jesus and the truth of who he is. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way that I can experience God. He's the only way my friends can experience God. And I'm not just religious. In fact, I hate it. I don't want anything to do with religion. I want Jesus. I want a relationship. And we're going to build a deep-rooted relationship with our Father that takes us out of this place and the world around us is experiences Jesus through us. The writer of Hebrews, he kind of scolds them. He does scold them. And maybe today you feel scolded or you feel you need to be scolded. If so, take it. Take it. And then let's go and be encouraged that God has better things for us. And in fact, the few words I did not read, verse 3, and this we will do if God permits. Why are those words important? Because it's not about you and what you can do. It's about what God can do. And today, it's not a question of will he permit it in your life. It's a question of will you say yes to him? Because if you'll say yes to him, he will help you. He will heal you. He'll bring you restoration to your past. He'll bring restoration. And in your future, you'll be able to be a teacher of the word of God. What's that mean? You're going to disciple people. What's that mean? You're going to put people on your back and carry them across the finish line into faith someday because you were willing to say yes. And God is going to pour blessing upon you. God is going to permit in your life something that you cannot believe possible in the present. But in the future, you're going to just be amazed by him. There's tons of people here in the first service, tons of people who you've experienced it. You've walked through it. You've been on the milk. You've grown. And now you're eating that medium rare spiritual steak. And you're saying this is way better. And your faith and your walk and the people that know the Lord because you were willing to grow to maturity. The opportunity is real for you. You can make it because God is on your side. You can make it. You can make the right choices. You can do the right things. But more than law and rules is you can have relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can walk with him. You can know him. He can guide you. And you can be someone that disciples the world around you. You can be a teacher. You can eat the solids. You can be a person of maturity. All over this place, if we could, could we just stand to our feet, those that are at home? And right now, if you say, you know what, I'm not walking in relationship with Jesus. 
I would just ask you right where you are, all you have to do to start a relationship with Jesus is just say, Lord, in the quiet of your breath, you could say it out loud, whatever it would look like, Lord, forgive me. I repent of my past. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You can put other words, just talk to him like you would a friend. And the word says that all of heaven rejoices. There's nothing better than knowing he's there. He's got you. He loves you. He cares for you. And I encourage you right now, if you've never done it, do it. Give your life to Jesus. And for everyone, including those in this room, today, is it possible that there's some area of my life, maybe a big area, maybe it's a small area, or today I'm a student and not a teacher. I'm drinking milk and not eating finer solids. I'm more in the elementary stage and not maturity. And you'd say, I need to take a step. I need to take a step toward Jesus. We're going to worship. We're going to make this an altar time. In fact, you could come. You're more than welcome to come down to an altar to kneel or come to the stairs or a home at your couch, right where you are, wherever it would be. Could we let God speak? Maybe he'll show you an area. Maybe it's in the things that you watch, the things you do, the things you listen to. I don't know. Maybe it's worry and anxiety and you need to ask God, help me, Lord Jesus. Help me to take a stand against those things in my life and make a plan with, with you and your word to overcome. Whatever it might be today, let's become mature in Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. Lord, that we get to worship, we get to proclaim you, we get to know you, and we thank you that we are together as a family. And Lord, I pray that right now you would help us to mature, help us to become teachers and leaders, help us to, to eat the finer things of your word, of your spirit, what you would say, Jesus. We want the word to become our life. Lord Jesus, help us to align every part of who we are with you so we can grow into maturity. So even now, Lord, as we just give you the next few minutes of response, Lord, I pray you would speak individually to each person as we allow you, Lord, challenge us. Lord, move us forward into what you have for us. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship and make this place an altar this morning. This week, I pray that you go, that you're used by God, that you proclaim him as mature, as a discipler, as a follower of Jesus, eating some fine medium rare steak this week in the spirit. Let God move and speak through you this week. Have a wonderful week. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. See you next week.